You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you are joining me for episode 226 of the Blended Family Podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since I've been here. I always have such great intentions and I've just been exhausted. Like everything will be fine one day or one week and then I'm just hit with a wall. And I know a lot of people have been feeling like that because there's just a lot of craziness in the world right now. And of course, we got back to our cleaning business for a little bit, and that's exhausting in itself. So I've just been struggling. And then, of course, there's all this stuff going on in the world right now that I've been wanting to talk to you guys about, but I also have been resisting because it's just some very controversial stuff going on, and emotions are very, very high. For instance, I had a little bit of a pushback a couple weeks ago when I recorded that episode with my husband, Sean. One of the listeners felt it was irresponsible of me to say that it wasn't so bad in our area and that we weren't really wearing masks all that often. And she was very upset that I said that. But I've got to say, you know, in my area, I'm not coming here to tell you all about your area. Obviously, I can only speak for my own family and what's going on. And I know for sure you're not all coming here to get up-to-date, accurate information about COVID or vaccines or anything else because it's a blended family podcast. So you're coming here to to talk about your blended family and to learn things about that. So I will just say that when I do talk anything, please understand that I this is not the news. I am not... Um, I am not your go-to source for anything factual on COVID. If I say anything about it, it's just really to talk about my own personal experiences with it. Uh, And since that episode recorded and aired, I should say, um, that was before everything opened up again. So everything was quarantined here for a very long time. And I'm in Florida. It's been very hot here, you guys. It's been 95 degrees. And it is a fact that the numbers are generally lower in the hotter regions. It's been shown everywhere. And that's just how it is in my own town. I personally don't know anybody here in my town who has it. I'm not saying that there aren't. There are people. And the numbers are going up. And I know that. So I just wanted to just say that real quick. Um, And to my apologies if it offended or bothered anybody else that I said it. Uh, And today, you know, I really want to talk about the racism piece, but I'm, I'm being very cautious with this because, again, I know that emotions are running really high right now with everything and by every right. And we are not a racist family here, none of us, nor my kids. But I will say that growing up back in my time and my parents' time, it was a little bit harder because the outside influences that were coming in from sometimes family members or outside influences, you were hearing racist remarks growing up as a kid. All of us were. I don't care whether you're black, white, Asian, any color, it doesn't matter. We've all heard it. The one positive thing that I feel, and I'll just say this for my family and the people around me, with the younger generation coming up, I have seen a lot less 
racism in the younger generations. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And I think that we can all learn something from our children about that. Uh, and I don't know how the whole situation is touching you. For me personally, I, and you might have noticed, I've, I've kind of jumped off of social media. I'm not really, my presence is not there right now. And that's just because when I see the racism and when I see the hatred and when I see the anger and the fear and everything that is going on in social media right now, I just tend to shrink back away from that because I don't want to be a part of it. It makes me upset. I don't like to see it. It's uncomfortable as it is for everybody. And I just feel that my positive energy does better elsewhere than to be on social media. So that's why you haven't seen me much on there. Uh, and what we've been trying to do here is just help our family and our loved ones go through this process. And like I said, my family nor my kids are, are racist, but we are seeing this all around us right now. And I think that if you look at it from a spiritual viewpoint, I think that it is essential that all this negativity and racism and whatever else is going on, because it's not just racism, right? We Listen, we went from being quarantined for months so tensions were already high with that. And then a situation like this comes out, and we wonder why it is just such a trigger point for people. And it should be. It should be, absolutely. But what I want to say is if you do find triggers coming up in you or people around you, this is a good time to work with that, to notice what is coming up within you around any of this and to kind of deal with it. And then there's a lot of people that say, well, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm fine and I'm not having trouble, but I'm living with a family who's racist and the people around me that I love and I don't agree with it. And what can you do with that? Uh, especially with blended families, right? Because sometimes you might have a family that has a little bit more racism ties to it than another and the two families come together and now you have two very different viewpoints on looking at things. And so how do you deal with that, that can be really, really trying for a family. So um, we don't have that in my house. But what I would say, I have had people in my life recently that I've had to have some very serious conversations with. And sometimes it's not a matter of kind of forcing something down someone's throat and telling them that they need to feel a certain way. Because we all need to understand that wherever anyone is coming from, there's a reason they feel the way they feel and they have to work through that. You can't just tell somebody, don't be this way or don't feel like that because you really don't know what's gone on in their life from when they were young. You don't know the conditions and what they've had to live through. So it's really not fair for any one of us to tell someone else how they need to feel about a situation. So the very first thing that we need to do is just drop all judgment on others because this isn't time to judge others on how they feel. They're entitled to how they feel. So sometimes it's just a matter of holding space for someone. If you have someone real negative and they just don't understand, sometimes it's not a matter of trying to get them to change their mind, but just a matter of sitting with them and being the light and being the peace and showing them by your example that there's another way to look at the situation or deal with the situation. And of course, since we're all parents, it's so super important that we model good behavior for our children. So 
And sometimes I see in a lot of homes that children are teaching the parents quite a lot about racism and why it shouldn't be here anymore. And this is nobody's fault, okay? This is hundreds of years of racism that has been taught to us since we were born, essentially. Even if it wasn't our parents, it was taught to us in the school system. It was taught to us in movies and music and all kinds of things that you don't even know, that you don't even recognize. So it's a good time to help your family through this process in whatever way that you all need to do it. And I would just tell you what's helped me incredibly is just trying to stay focused on the positives, pulling myself away from the negatives. It's not that I'm being willfully blind. I know that it's there. I know it's happening. I, I turn on the news once a day and I check in with the world, but then I pull myself away from it because I need to protect my own energy and so do you. Okay, so no passing judgment on other people. Let people go through this journey the way they need to. Focus on the positives and then work on yourself and the triggers that are coming up in you and help your spouse to do the same if they're having triggers come up or your children. So recognize them and work through them. So in other news than the current events, I really don't have anything to share today. I'm honestly feeling slightly under the weather, um, just got a little bit of a sore throat and been a little bit run down. I've been treating my neck, which is a whole other story because you guys know I've still been in pain ever since my surgery. And so now we're looking into my upper cervical of my neck and seeing what's going on with that because my alignment is way off in my body and we think that might be causing some pain. And with that, it just comes some more exhaustion when I get these adjustments and um, just feeling a little lousy. So I don't really have... Any other announcements today? I do have to get caught up on some of these old, I still have about, I don't know, 10 to 20 old interviews that I haven't gotten to. So today what you're going to hear is a lovely lady that joined me as a co-host back in August. So I'm sorry, Rachel, you, we're just getting to this interview now, but we had a really nice conversation about her blended family and I'd love for you guys to hear it. Please make sure you rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps me out and helps others find the show. And feedback, as always, can be sent to me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. If you want to join me as a co-host, you can just find all of the links below in the show notes, but you can always schedule something with me at blendedfamilypodcast.com dot com slash schedule and in that link you will see all the places to schedule with me not just an interview but we also do free financial reviews as well as coaching so i love you all very much and i hope you have a great week enjoy the interview hello everybody i'm so excited that you're joining me for this co-host episode with my friend rachel over in texas and she's got a unique perspective to share today because she's the first co-host that i've had on that's actually a childless stepmom which i i always hate that term childless step parent but that's just what it's coined but she doesn't have any kids of her own but she is a stepmom and she definitely wants to share all of her stories and her tips with us today welcome to the show rachel hi thank you I'm so glad that you're here to share your perspective. I know that it's a unique situation, but before we really get into it, I just wanted to give you a minute to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your blended family. 
Well, I am, I'm 23. So that kind of plays into my whole dynamic. My husband is in his thirties. We have, he has his 11 year old that lives with us full time. And then my stepson is five and he lives with his mom. Um, I'm a nanny. So I've always had kind of the maternal instinct, but it's completely different when it's your own house and it's kind of your kids. Um, yeah, so that's my, my story kind of in a nutshell. All right. And so how old were you when you met? Because let's see, how long have you been together? About a year and a half, did you say? Yeah, about a year and a half. I just turned 22 when we met. Gosh. So what, so let's start there really, because most people, when you're 22, a lot of people are not even thinking about children yet. So tell me what were your feelings like when you first met your husband and you found out that he had kids, what was going through your mind at that point? Well, we met actually online through one of the dating apps. And so I knew ahead of time that he had kids, but, and I'd always kind of said, no, I don't really want to be involved with someone who has kids. But something about, like, his pictures and the way he wrote everything out about himself and how, like, involved and proud he was of his kids, it kind of drew me in. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll give this guy a chance. And almost immediately we we connected and we met within 24 hours of talking. And I call it the smartest dumb decision I've ever made because I went to his house the first time I met him. I don't recommend it, but it worked <laughs> out. Um, so. I wasn't supposed to meet the kids until six months in, which would have been last August, but I have known the kids and they've been calling me stepmom since maybe May of last year. So a little over a year. Wow. Well, I see, I like online dating. I've never done it myself, but I like when people do it because I agree with you. It's, you know, a lot more about a person in advance than you would if you walked up to them in a bar or a restaurant or wherever you might be at a party you don't know anything in those cases. So at least with online dating, you do know those things in advance and it gave you a picture, right? You saw him with the kids and it tells you that he's a good dad, right? So that's always a good thing that people don't realize when you, you get to see that instead of being afraid of it, you can say, wow, you know, this person actually is a good parent. And what does that say about their character? Uh, All good things. So tell me the first time you met the kids, what was that like? Well, I met them separately. Um, the first time I met my stepson, it was kind of out of necessity because he didn't have anybody to watch him. He he was a home health nurse at the time, and he had a couple of patients on a Saturday, and no one was available to watch him, and his, his mom couldn't take him that weekend. So he called me and was like, hey, so I'm really sorry. I know this is like really soon, but can you please come and watch him for a couple of hours? So I came and, and met him that Friday night before, and we just had so much fun together and it was just really fun to see him. And he, he was just kind of attached to me immediately. Mm-hmm. And it was just really fun. As far as my stepdaughter, we were both, we both talked on the phone. We, we video chatted. And when we met, it was just kind of like, Oh, cool. You're a real person. And we'd already known quite a bit about each other beforehand. So everything was kind of easy and just really simple in the beginning. Wow. And so, well, you just said in the beginning. So um, tell me how things have progressed moving forward. I mean, what's it like for you? This is what I really want to get into today because a lot of childless step parents really struggle, mostly women, not men, uh, really struggle just 
with their role. It's, it's being a stepmom in general is the most difficult role in a blended family out of mm-hmm. any position. But when you don't have any bio children of your own, it just definitely adds another layer because you're looked at different, you're perceived different, and you perceive yourself differently. So let's let's just talk about that. Tell me what kind of fears or doubts were going through your mind, maybe in the beginning, when it came to the fact that there were kids there, you didn't have kids of your own. Like what were you what were your feelings like at that time? There was a lot of insecurity at first, just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be interacting with them. Like, am I supposed to be their friend or parental or I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's still kind of something I'm working through and especially having one live with us and she's quite a bit older than he is. So being like the mother role in my house for an 11 year old is kind of mind blowing at times, but I mean, being able to go through that insecurity and having, especially my husband tell me like, you're one of her parents, you're not her mom, but you are one of her parents, like, it's okay to act like one. That was a huge thing for me when he told me it's okay for you to act like her parent because you are one. Wow. And so does it ever go through your mind of, okay, well, great, I can act like her parent, but I'm not sure if I really know what that's like, because I've never done that before, especially for uh, an 11 year old child or, you know, children that are a little bit older. So what was that like? Like, did you instinctively know how to act like a parent because you were already a nanny or was that a struggle too? With my stepson, because he's in the age range that I work with, like it was so easy with him and it still is because I'm a, I know how to communicate with that age group. I know how to get through to him. I don't know how to get through to preteens and teenagers. Like I don't, I just don't understand that. Well, Rachel, I got to tell you something. I don't think any of us in the world, (laughs) no matter whether we have bio children or not, know how to get through to a preteen or a teenager or communicate with them properly. I'm just (laughs) letting you know. So, I mean, I got to tell you that because if that's what's going through your mind, you know, I feel that way with my own children. I I question that all the time. Like, how do I talk to these kids? Because that's just a completely different alien species that you're stepping into. But I definitely can can imagine how you might feel definitely because girls, especially approaching that preteen age can act a little bit, mm, I won't use the B word, but you know how they can be. <laughs> a little bit tough, right? And so, yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. Okay. Now I know your husband works a lot of nights. And so when it comes to situations where you are home then with the kids, what is it like trying to be the disciplinarian when your husband's not around because somebody has to be, if he's not home, you're, you're having to step in and do that. Is that strange for you? Or do you find that it's not that bad? Or did you guys set guidelines and rules around what is expected of you when it comes to discipline? Well, when he's not here, he works 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. So it's really just during sleeping hours. That's about the time the kids go to bed anyway. There's been a couple of times where they stay up later and I'm like trying to make sure they get in bed and there's fighting and arguing and tears and so many water breaks. Um, (laughs) It it's come to a point where he has told me like, 
you got to be the disciplinarian. And I've told him over and over, I don't like it. I like being the fun one, but I know I do need to step up and make sure that they're not completely running the household. And so being able to have that security in my mind of him saying like, it's okay for you to, to discipline them if, if they need, if you need to, like, I'm able to take away my stepdaughter's phone if she's like acting crazy and not doing what she's supposed to be doing. So, I mean, I don't, I don't like to do that. I don't think anybody does. No, nobody really likes to, right? Nobody wants to be the bad guy, but it is necessary sometimes. And, um, but I wanted to talk about that because I know that when you're not used to it, because you didn't have the children of your own that you've been disciplining since day one or since they were three. I mean, it's definitely hard stepping in and having those expectations on you, especially when you don't know what it's really like to have to do that. And so that's tough, but it sounds like you're stepping up to the plate. Now, what I'd love to ask you, this is another problem that a lot of childless step-parents have is how others perceive them. And so I want to know what has been your experience out and about in the world from either family, friends, coworkers of your husband, other mm-hmm. people? Did anybody look at you and point a finger or have any problems with you and say, well, you don't know what you're doing. You're, you've never been a parent. You have no idea what you're talking about. Did that ever happen to you? Um, not from people I know personally. A lot of the people in my life have been really supportive. Like my family was so supportive. Um, my dad actually got to meet my my stepson in June when we went up to Colorado to visit him. And it was awesome just to see them interact. And my dad's like, he's loving being a grandpa because he doesn't have any bio grandkids. Wow. So most That's of my family funny. was really supportive and most of my friends were as well. Um, but people like out and about, especially within my nanny circles and I'm going out to like play spaces Mm -hmm. I'll tell the moms out there like I'm these kids nanny but I've I've got stepkids at home and I've had a bunch of people come back and tell me oh well then you're not a mom oh that drives me so bananas when people say that you know it doesn't matter whether you have bio children or not yes a hundred percent certainty that when you have bio children, uh, maybe you understand things a little bit differently, or you just have a little bit different experience that doesn't make you better. It just makes your experience different. And I don't like when people do that to people because you are taking care of those kids every day and every night. And it makes you no less qualified just because you didn't have children of your own. And so People can be harsh. And when I say people, it's mostly, I hate to say it guys, but it's mostly women are the ones that beat other women down in that way. And I hate when people do that because it doesn't matter. You're, you're still working just as hard as any other stepmom or mom. And so I'm glad that you haven't had a bad experience though with that. I mean, it, it sounds like you haven't. Um, what's next for you? Are you guys planning on having kids together or... Um, eventually I'm, I'm starting school this semester. He's going to go back. We're kind of just going to take turns going to school until we get to where we want to be. Nice. And right now, because I'm working, I have a full-time job and a part-time job and starting throwing in, oh, Hey, let's go to school full-time. It's just, it's not in the cards for us right now. Hopefully in the future, I would love to, but I think right now I'm in a place where I would be okay if I didn't have a kid of my own, but I would love it if I could. Right. But it's not the right timing. So that's okay. 
Now, I want to ask you a little bit of a serious question. Um, this is probably the, the last we'll stay on with the childless step-parent topic, but okay. my question to you, and you, you feel free to be honest, or if, if you don't want to answer it, it's fine, but this is a topic that comes up a lot. I want to know, did you ever have any experiences of jealousy or feeling left out when it comes to the relationship that your husband has with his kids and that you felt maybe, um, I don't have kids of my own. I'm not a part of this. I'm an outsider. Did any of that become a part of your experience or no? Oh yeah. Especially at the beginning when he had the kids just on the weekends, cause my stepdaughter moved in, in, in August of last year. So there was a good six months that she was just there every other weekend. Mm. So I'd come over during those weekends and we'd all hang out and there would be times where the three of them were sitting there and they were laughing. And I was like, kind of on the other side of the table, like, like, am I supposed to be part of this moment? Like, mm -hmm. I just don't know. And since then it's, it's been a lot easier just because I know that they had, I mean, my stepdaughter had nine years before I came along with her dad. Like I'm supposed to be there. It's just not supposed to, I'm not there for all of it. I wasn't there for her whole life. I've been there for less than two years. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I talk to a lot of women and a lot of them that are childless talk to me about the feelings of jealousy. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I wanted to point out it's very, very normal and it happens to a lot of people because when we all have children, we all kind of really know what's involved in that. But a lot of times when one person doesn't have children, they don't realize sometimes the time and attention that needs to be devoted towards their partner's kids. And they get to be a little jealous sometimes like, man, I want to spend time with my partner or my husband or my wife. And then here are these kids that are taking all of their time. And it's hard for the childless parent to really understand sometimes because they never really had to do that. And also they don't have their own children to occupy them when their partner is busy with their kids, which happens sometimes. So as a childless step-parent, you're left alone sometimes while they're tending to things. And sometimes that does create feelings of jealousy or loneliness or anything like that. And I just wanted to bring it up because I know that it's a very common struggle and I don't want anybody to feel guilty for feeling that way, because that's the other side of it. It's like, how could I have these feelings that must make me a bad person? No, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's very, very normal emotions that we're dealing with. And it's really tricky when it comes to blended families. So thank you for being really honest about that. I appreciate it. Um, let's get off of that topic just a little bit, because I think we really covered it pretty well. And the next thing I want to talk about, because we, we have spoke previously, you and I, uh, I know that your stepdaughter has some ADHD and you have some good advice because you've been working with this. So I want you to just take us on the journey of what it was like for her, how you guys discovered it and how you're dealing with it now, because there are a lot of parents right now who need help with that. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, since I met her, kind of been there and you know, like when, when they're first going into puberty and starting that whole process of their life, it, their brains can be frazzled and they can just go hundred miles an hour without stopping for days. And so I wasn't sure at the beginning, like, is that something that needs to be addressed or is that just the beginning of puberty? I'm really, I don't know, but it's been more consistent. It's been something that's kind of been there where she just can't stop talking. She can't stop moving. And 
my husband also has pretty severe ADHD and I have some, some underlying stuff going on. And so we finally sat down and we were like, we need to do something different. So we put her in therapy with a therapist that I've seen for years and I trust with anyone. And she's been working with her on some coping skills and things to, to do when she really starts to get overwhelmed and like she can't stop. And she started doing those. She's actually, since she started seeing my therapist, it's been, she's able to focus in and do her chores and do the things she knows she's supposed to do. And she's, she is medicated now. So we're working on trying to find the right combination of medication for her. Mm -hmm. But with doing that, I think she's going to do really awesome in school. She's starting middle school this year. So I think she'll be awesome going in with those coping skills and with the medication working together. I think it would just be awesome for her. So it sounds like she herself is aware of her own issue because she's going to therapy and she's working on some coping skills. So how does she feel about the ADHD? Does she, I mean, does she know it's an issue for her? Can she feel when it's uh, a little bit too much? Tell me about that. Part of it is she can't pick up on the social cues when she is getting to be a little too much. Mm. So that's something that we're working with. And also she can feel it when she's like getting so overwhelmed and so stressed out. She can't stop. Her brain can't stop. And so she's constantly talking and it's not like talking that you can understand. It's rambling and it's talking really fast. So you can't understand what she's saying. And we have to tell her, you got to slow down so we can work on what's going on right now. That's really good though, that you're getting her to recognize her own symptoms because that's the first part of it is for her to just recognize it first and then say, okay, I'm doing it again. Here's what, you know, she'll learn really early on. And then the medication is also really helpful. The other thing that I know, believe it or not, I know people have different opinions on this, but diet plays such a huge role. Are you still there? Oh, I thought I lost you. Diet plays such a huge role in stuff like that. Um, Even the dyes in foods, like the blue and the red dyes and some of the sugars and some of the processed food. And it's so hard these days to get the kids off of processed food because everything is processed. Even the school lunches are processed. Plus, we're such a busy, busy um, group of parents, you know, especially with being blended, it's so hard to find the time to make homemade food anymore and to do things like that, but it does affect them. And I, I've had a similar issue of just noticing when the kids are acting a little bit more crazy is because they've been eating more processed food. So I don't know if that would help you. And I know a lot of people these days are even turning to CBD. That is a huge, huge help for a lot of people these days, especially with stuff like that. But I'm glad that you guys are getting on top of everything. And it sounds like as a stepmom, childless or not, as a stepmom, you sound like you're doing a really great job because it sounds like you really, really care about the outcome of these kids and that you really want to work with them. And so I just want to commend you for that. That's wonderful. Thank you. And so the last really topic that I wanted to talk about today is something that you seem like you're doing really well. Now, I know you've got, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's two bio moms for your stepkids, right? And so you guys have a lot going on, a lot of different moving parts. But one of the things that you told me is that 
you have very respectful co-parenting relationships all across the board. And so what everybody's going to want to know from you is how do you make that work? Because it's a lot of women are going to say it's difficult dealing with one ex-wife, let alone two. And so in you're doing it with grace. And so what I want to know is how are you doing it? Is it just luck of the draw because everyone's cool? Or is that something you guys really have to work out? Just give us some tips. It's, it's kind of been something we've had to work on. And with my stepson's mom, we actually, with me and my husband and her and her boyfriend, we all kind of just came to a dead stop one day and we were all like, it's not about us. And the realization kind of just came suddenly, like we all kind of knew it, but being able to just say out loud, it's about him. So we need to make sure we're doing what's best for him. It was a huge thing. And another thing I was thinking about today, not taking things that the kids say is happening at the other home Mm. and turning that into the whole story. So probably totally switching gears here. Um, no, but let's let's just talk about that for a second because what you just said, I, I want to repeat it because what you just said is really, really huge and it's one of the biggest problems that every blended family home has because it happens all the time and people don't realize that you cannot take what the kids say as truth all the time. I My kids were famous for doing this, especially one of them. Man, she would tell some stories and mm-hmm. it would cause massive, massive arguments because especially when kids do that when there's not communication. Now, if there's communication, you could just go to that parent and say, hey, you know, little Johnny told me such and such. Is that true? But not everybody has that great relationship. And so what happens is little Johnny says something and mom and dad don't like each other very much and they're going to take it as truth and it's going to start a war. So that is just a huge tip for everybody involved. What Rachel's saying is just don't take it as truth. Now that doesn't mean ignore it. Maybe you need to do some investigation. Maybe you need to talk to your ex or write them an email and question it. Or maybe you need to dig a little deeper with your child, but definitely don't take what your child says as word because they tell stories and it's not that they're always trying to lie. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they just don't say the story the right way and it can really, really mess things up. So um, I, I really am very impressed with you guys that you, that you knew to do that. Now, does that happen with your 11 year old also? It doesn't as much. Uh, we're, we're actually a lot I wouldn't say a lot better with her, with her mom and stepdad, but we have kind of a more open communication because we're constantly in communication with her because she's at our house and we're just kind of going back and forth with her. Um, but just like a little thing with my stepson a few weeks ago, he, we were, I was getting ready to go and drop him off at his mom's house. And he said, Oh, you better watch out for my mom. She's got bed bugs. (laughs) He goes, she's got bed bugs. Look and see. You'll see the bites on her arm. And so I got him there and I was like, hey, he said she got bed bugs. And I'm kind of assuming you said, don't let the bed bugs bite. And she goes, 
Yeah, he's been on the bed bug thing for about a week now. Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But another parent might, might. I mean, this is really sad, but another parent that heard that might then go onto Facebook and start blasting all around and start gossiping to all the friends saying, oh, so-and-so's got bed bugs in the house. I mean, it sounds so silly, but that actually happens all the time for just different topics. And so yeah. that is such a good tip. It's like, before you question something or, or before you go and speak it out, just go to your ex and just say, hey, is this true? Is this not? Most cases, you'll see that it's not true or that something's twisted around. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's really good. So tell me, the, the open communication that you have with both of the exes, mm-hmm. how has that made your life easier? Oh, it's just, there's so much less stress being able to just like, even just, hey, we can't take the kids this weekend that's supposed to be our weekend. If I, if I were to call either one of them or my husband were to call either one of them and say, hey, this weekend's no good, we're doing whatever, can we swap? Like either one of them would be like, yeah, like that's not a problem and vice versa as well. If they called and were like, hey, we can't do this, but we can do this other weekend. Like there's none of the like, oh, that's not your weekend. You can't have him. You know, I know there's a lot of people listening right now and they're probably saying, well, that's, that's great for you, Rachel. And that's great for all these other people, but that's not possible in my situation. I have a very toxic ex that I'm dealing with. And I know that I know not everybody can have this situation that Rachel has going on. I mean, gosh, we don't even have that good of a situation over here. So um, believe me, I know, I know that's not for everybody, but it should give you hope if you're listening for what is actually possible. Because even if you have a bad situation right now, things do change. I've seen it myself with my own eyes. Nothing is permanent. And so there is hope out there and that you could have a situation like Rachel where you could just simply pick up the phone and call your ex when you have a problem and not have to worry about it being a fight. I know that it's not possible for everybody, but it, it is possible and it's happening. It's happening across the world in many blended families. And so I just think that sometimes you have to work for it and sometimes it's not easy and sometimes it takes time. But Rachel, it sounds like you guys have an amazing blended family going on over there. And I thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, before we go, as you know, we always like to ask five questions to, to every family. And so if you're ready, we'll get started on those. All right. I'm ready. All right. So the first question, Rachel, is what is the thing you love the most about your blended family? I really love that even though my stepkids have different moms, they're so close and they, they only see each other a couple times a month, but everything just feels like there's no, there's no like arguments. There, there's arguments, but there's no like knockout drag out fights that happen because they're like oh well we're both the dads now so this is what we're going to do but being able to just have kind of a harmony when both the kids are here and even when we just have my stepdaughter being able to just work as a family unit and I kind of always tell people like I'm not their mom but I'm the mom of my house so being able to just come into that role completely while they're both here is just one of my favorite things. Yeah, definitely. That's a great answer. Uh, What's the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? 
right now the biggest challenge is getting the ADHD and everything under control. That's been an ongoing challenge and something that we're still working through and still trying to find the right combination of things. Yeah, well, it definitely sounds like you're getting to the bottom of it, but I also have to point out you know, she's getting to that age too. And so it can be hard to differentiate what is normal prepubescent behavior as opposed to what is ADHD. Because I'll tell you, I told you they're, they're little aliens when they get to about 12, 13 years old, boy, is it rough. And so dealing, yeah, I'm glad it, but I bet you you're going to get the ADHD pretty well under control before that really happens. So that should help you guys. So that that is good. Uh, question number three, if you knew then what you know now, what is one thing you would have done differently when you first blended? Um, I wouldn't have tried to do as much like with trying to do chore charts and morning routines and making sure that everyone had a hot breakfast. And like, there are some days that it's okay if they have a toaster waffle for breakfast. Like when I first started being stepmom, I was always like trying to be the perfect mother figure and never messing up and all that stuff. And if I were to go back and tell myself something, it would be that like, you don't have to be perfect. They know you're still, you're, you still love them. You're still trying. That is the first time I got that answer and I love it because I do think that we all put so much pressure on ourselves mm -hmm. and you probably even put extra on yourself because you didn't have kids of your own and so you didn't know and you were probably just freaked yourself out and made yourself feel like everything had to be perfect because you weren't experienced. And so I'm glad that you figured that out. And, and I hope that somebody listening that maybe that hits them because we really do need to stop doing that to ourselves. Number four, what is something that you know you're doing right in your blended family? Something that you guys are proud of right now? I'm just, honestly, I'm really proud of going back to the whole therapy thing of catching those things and being able to help her while she's still willing to accept it. Yeah, that's right. Because once they get to a certain age, you lose a little bit of that control. And so, mm -hmm. and that can be a scary thing. So you should be proud of that. You guys definitely should. And the last question is, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? Take care of yourself. I am the queen of making sure that everyone else is taken care of. And then I'm run dry where I'm just like, I have nothing else to give. And I've finally come to a point where I'm able to just tell my family, hey, I'm really overwhelmed. I can't be around other people right now. I need to go and take a bubble bath and regroup, but I'll be back out in 45 minutes. There you go. And that is powerful. The self-care piece is essential, but a lot of people don't understand the importance of it and they won't take it. And again, not to say, but it's mostly us women, right? Because mm -hmm. guys don't need the self-care as much, but if they do, you know, they'll go out, they'll, they just handle things a little bit differently than women when it comes to that. But we, we are so drained all the time because we're giving to the kids and we're giving to our husband and we're working and we're trying to maintain the house and all the things that we do. And I know there's a lot of men out there doing that too. So I'm not saying, uh, but, but women just seem to get drained in a different way 
than men. Yeah. Like men can go without the self-care and they can actually function, but women, we, we can't, we do, we get so drained that we can't then be a good mom and then we can't yeah. be a good wife and we can't be good at our job. And so I love that you said that self-care is so important and nobody should feel guilty or ashamed to take it. That's one thing that we all struggle with is the guilt of like, oh, I don't know if I should sit down for 20 minutes because I have all this work to do. I do that all the time too, but we're really not helping ourselves. And then we're not really able to give everything a hundred percent. So that was a great answer. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, listeners, if you are interested in being a co-host with me, you know how to reach me. I look forward to it. And uh, Rachel, once again, I think you're doing awesome with your blended family. And I can't wait to hear how things go in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.